Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. I am your host, Michael Clark, and we are beginning our new road sign for this season. We've been taking kind of a road trip together and looking at all of the things that can pertain spiritually to our life and walk with Christ, and we just finished up covering the carpool lane. This is Season 5, Episode 13, and we're looking at the stop sign. The stop sign is a very interesting sign because it is a sign that would probably, in my estimation and more than likely yours as well, be one of the most recognizable signs that we could just immediately call to memory. We see it all the time. It's all over the place. And if you never really knew what a stop sign's purpose was or what it was designed to do, it's a regulatory sign. It's a traffic control device that warns drivers to slow down and prepare to stop. It's used when there are no other cars around or at the end of a line of traffic. You know, drivers, they've got to stop at the stop line, crosswalk, or intersection, whichever they might encounter first. The driver must yield the right of way to pedestrians and approaching vehicles before proceeding. The driver should only proceed when it's safe to do so. Here are some things to remember. This sign is one of the most important and significant road traffic signs. And similar to most countries, the U.S. version of this sign has the word stop printed in white on a red background. Some drivers do what we call a, a rolling stop. They fail to come to a complete stop at these stop signs, and they kind of crawl forward to five miles per hour or under. And that's what we say is a rolling stop, but it is technically illegal. Well, let me let me rephrase that. It's not just technically illegal. It is illegal. State laws require you to come to a complete stop. You can be cited for failing to come to a complete stop at a stop sign. And in fact, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before or not. I'll go ahead and tell it now because it seems like it's an appropriate time to do so. My very first traffic violation was a rolling stop. Uh, I did not know what I was doing, and I thought that a rolling stop was fine and acceptable. I didn't pay attention. And so I got pulled over, and the police officer said, Hey, you know, I saw you just got your license recently. I'm going to go ahead and let you off with a warning. And I thought, oh, wonderful. A week later, I got pulled over again, and it was the same officer for the same offense. And the officer said, didn't I pull you over for this last week? And I had to say, yes, officer, you did. And so I ended up getting a ticket on that occasion. Now, there are many different directions that you and I could take this road sign. Many different directions we could take this lesson, these two episodes that we're going to have on it. But we want to examine two key areas. Today's episode, we're going to examine an area about four things that should be stopped. And next week, we'll do the same thing, covering all eight sides of the stop sign with four things that another group should stop. So today, we're going to look at things that the world should stop doing. Number one, the world should stop causing division. We're divided politically. I don't know if you've realized that yet or not. And if you haven't, I hate to break it to you, we're divided politically. According to the Associated Press, we are more divided now than ever. 
the main issues that were listed as far as our division is concerned would be diversity, economy, ideology, and numerous articles are listed on each topic and much can be said both right and wrong by the press. And honestly, you could find an article written in a certain way on a political issue, a political matter, and then you can probably find a dozen articles written another way, the opposite end of the spectrum. We're divided politically. We really need to stop allowing politics to divide us, and probably one of the most ways, the most known way that it divides us is religiously. I'm sure you've heard the phrase before, I don't want to get into the politics of all that, or I'm not here to be in a political narrative. Listen, I want you to think about an Old Testament example that speaks volumes today under New Testament law. Let me give you some things that you need to do and things that you shouldn't do. I want you to think about the case of Daniel. Daniel is a young man when he's taken away into captivity, and when you look at Daniel's life, as I'm pulling up the Bible here to go over this particular subject, you look at Daniel's life, and he is immediately thrust into an issue, immediately, without fail. It is 100% a problem from the moment he starts being over in Babylon. When I look at Daniel chapter 1, I see a man who shows me the correct formula for navigating religious freedom, navigating religious mindset, navigating religious practice in the midst of a political field. We didn't have elections in the time of what we were reading here in Daniel chapter 1. It was a king system. Oh, but there were still politics involved. And Daniel shows us exactly what to do. And if you look down at verse 8, we're told from the very beginning that Daniel was respectful. You see, the first thing that happens to Daniel when he shows up in Babylon is he's told, your diet is going to change. You're no longer going to eat the way that you've been told to eat. You're going to eat the way that we want you to eat. You know, God's way is often hijacked for man's mentality, for his ideology, for all of the things that he says are right. That's what's happened here. But in verse 8, it says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he wouldn't defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. And so he went and made a request of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. First thing Daniel tells me to do, be respectful. Listen, I don't know what side of the political aisle you find yourself on, but I know I've seen things on both sides that just downright sicken me. Things that are not scriptural for us to do, that aren't right, that need to stop. And one of the number one ways that really concerns me is our lack of respect for those that are in office. You don't have to respect their policy. 
in the sense of there's going to be things that anybody can do in a political field that are going to downright just be immoral at times. I'm not telling you to respect that, but I am telling you a person who holds an office in our land should be respected. Daniel could have started a riot. He could have started a absolute coup going after all who might listen. But instead he requested to speak to the chief of the eunuchs. And the very next verse tells me that God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Then he tells me what to do is to be loving. In verse 11 through 13, Daniel said to the steward of whom the chief of the eunuchs had said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days, and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you, and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies, and as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter, and tested them for ten days. Be loving. And you might think, how is that loving? Well, it's because he's attentive as well. In verse 10, the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel when he makes the request, I fear my lord the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. You'll get me killed. Because he was attentive to what had been said and showed love for this chief of the eunuchs, who, by the way, didn't really deserve that from Daniel, hadn't done anything to warrant such a response. But he got it anyway. The fourth thing that we're told that we should do from this account is we've got to trust that doing the right thing will work out in the end. Daniel 1. 14 through 17 tells me that's exactly how it happened. Daniel's plan worked, and their diet was implemented. We shouldn't cause strife. Daniel never caused strife when Nebuchadnezzar's character was called into question. Let me rephrase that here because I was getting caught up in how I was saying the name wrong. The same respect that he showed for the chief of the eunuchs, he showed for the leaders too. You never find Daniel talking to a king without showing respect, Daniel 2.31. He could have allowed the wickedness of Nebuchadnezzar to deter him from what was right. He could have caused strife under the guise of Nebuchadnezzar's character, but he always showed respect. We should never be a member of our party instead of the church. We're not called Republicans in the New Testament. We're not called Democrats. We're not called Independents. We're called Christians. And we need to take heed to ourselves, lest our hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. Get out of the politics game. Stop making that be your main focus in life. I promise you, you'll be better for it. Number two, that the world should stop doing. We're divided morally. 
And when it comes to division, we're divided morally. This is part two of the first point, excuse me. A recent Gallup poll made the following statement about America's morality. A record high 50% of people believe that the USA has poor morality. 37% said that it's only fair. 1% of that poll stated they believed it to be excellent. 12% said it was good. Why are these numbers so poor? Well, passages like Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is death. Judges 17.6, 18.1, In those days, there was no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. We're divided morally because we're doing what's right in our own ways. And all of this because we're divided spiritually. You know, if we would turn back to God, we would thrive. Proverbs 14.34, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The world should stop causing division. Number two, the world should stop destroying God's plan for the home. The world wants you to believe that abortion is morally right. And yet God says that he forms us from the womb. And you might think, here we go again with these passages, with this mentality. It's in there for a reason. And sometimes the easiest argument and the best argument is the one that's simple. God spoke of Jacob and Esau as presently living and future nations in Genesis 25-23. The psalmist said that the Lord was his God from the time that he spent in his mother's womb, Psalm 22 and verse 10. That children are a, that children are a heritage, blessing from the Lord, Psalm 127-3, not to be looked at as a detriment. Our inward parts are formed and covered in our mother's womb, Psalm 139, verse 13. And the Bible never indicates that life happens after a certain point of pregnancy. Even in the case of the New Testament, we have an example of life in the womb. When Mary visited, John leaped or leapt in Elizabeth's womb, Luke 1, 41 and 44. But the world wants you to think that God's plan for the home is to have all the rights and privileges of being married without actually being married. Like it or not, believe me or not, the biggest issue in our country right now is the fact that people believe it's okay to play house without going through God's way. If we were to stop premarital sex, if we were to stop with shacking up and doing things that were never intended to be the way that God intended, we would see a change in the morality of this nation. Secondly, the world wants you to think that even homosexuality is morally right. However, the Old Testament called it an abomination. Leviticus 18.22, ah, but you know we're under the New Testament, so that's not a big issue, right? Well, even in the New Testament, we have a concerted effort by the apostles to point out that it is still considered a sin. Romans 1, 26-29, people who gave themselves up for vile passions. Yes, sometimes people who struggle with this, they don't just do it because there's no pleasure in it. I wouldn't even I need to change that from even sometimes to people don't just do this that are tempted in that way because there's no pleasure in it. They enjoy themselves. But passions can be vile. 
Even 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11 says that there were people in the church at Corinth that had at one time lived in such a lifestyle, but no longer. And you know, the world is constantly going to try to push the agenda of promotion of gay pride, even dedicating literature to the subject. "'Twas the Night Before Pride" was a book that I saw just a few weeks before Christmas, indicating all of the wonderful blessings that gay pride will give you. You look at world powers who were once world powers and aren't anymore, and you study the history, I can tell you the catalyst for all of them, the last real thing that they did before something bad happened to them, they morally believed that homosexuality was okay. And then the downfall of a nation occurred. Where's our country heading? Number three, the world should stop following their heart. The world's obsessed with following our heart. You know, numerous quotes can be found encouraging you to follow your heart. You can just type into the internet and find quotes like, follow your heart. It knows the way. Your heart is free. Find the courage to follow it. Let joy be your goal and your heart be your guide. According to Merriam-Webster, following your heart means to do what one would really love to do. And that would indicate that truth doesn't factor into this decision. Should that be the case? There is an objective truth, and it's higher than our feelings. There's only one way to make it to heaven, really to the Father, which is not based on our heart. Jesus didn't say, I'm the way, the truth, the life, therefore follow your heart and you'll make it to the Father. He says, no, nobody comes to the Father but by me. The truth of God's word is profitable for every stage of life, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And if you and I do anything with our hearts, it's to fully trust God, Proverbs 3, 5. Leaning on our truth, heart, understanding will only lead us to trouble. And if you want some additional reading on this, Scott Kane, minister at Forest Hill, included a article, not an article, it was a... Uh, Oh, what's the word here? It's a manuscript in the MSOP lectureship of 2021, well, 2022 now, in the Timeless Truth book. I beg of you to go and pick that up and read it. He destroys the narrative of my truth versus an objective truth. The truth. It's only going to lead us to trouble when we go that way. Number four and finally. The world should stop sinning. You know, the works of the flesh are on full display. Galatians 5, 19-21. You can look for just a few minutes every night and find this on social media, in your local community, in the world, from the bottom of the pole to the very top of the totem pole, you'll find it. But we cannot let sin reign within us. We close with this. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 12 through 14, verses 12 through 14, we're told that Paul writes, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law, but under grace. 
Do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey in its lusts. You're not just going to wake up one day and randomly decide to do that. It's going to have to be intentional. It's going to have to be something that you make a big practice and a big part of your life. Do it. The world, if we stopped these four things, what a change it would be. I'm raising two small children, a boy and a girl. One's five. At the time that this episode airs, the other one will have just turned one, not a few weeks before. I am terrified of the country that they're being raised in. I am terrified of the challenges that they will face because the world refuses to stop. Let's be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Lord willing, next week we'll pick up with this and continue our thought on the stop sign and close out our thoughts even on it by looking at things that the church should stop doing. We're not exempt. We're guilty of some things too. Not wholesale. Not all across the board, but there are definitely places where the four things that we'll discuss are a problem. Until then, though... Let's remember to please God now so our eternity can be far better. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.